This is Karnveer Mundret, the Chief Ideation Officer at Atharva Marcom, and you're listening to the future of branded content marketing and PR, co-powered by the Branded Content Marketing Association. So it was a pleasure speaking to Stefano Marone, uh, who is the founder and MD of Nuco Brain. Uh, he's also the lead marketing mentor at Google Launchpad, and I bring to you this interview which we did in London. And uh, you might like to have a pen and paper by your side because there's a number of interesting aspects. He's a really experienced uh, digital marketer, content marketer, and storyteller who has really gone the pathway of understanding uh, digital marketing and storytelling. So. Hear this carefully and listen to the end and you'd probably get a lot of tips which you can implement in your marketing plans. Here goes. Hi, Stefano, and welcome to the show. You're on the Branded Content Marketing Association's podcast, The Future of Branded Content Marketing and PR. And we talk everything branded content and you know marketing and, and uh, where the market is going and how com- what companies are doing and how what changes are coming into the market. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Nuco Brain and your story because I thought it's really interesting the way you you know moved because of various reasons. You know you were an amazing designer. You were you were an amazing draw drawing person, and then you became an entrepreneur. So tell us a little bit about your whole story and Nuco Brain along the way. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks thanks a lot for inviting us, uh, me specifically, but also Nuco Brain as a company. And uh, I'll start my story and try to make it short. But basically, I always loved um, uh, story storytelling and drawing since I was a kid and uh, I ended up uh, being lucky enough to start working in advertising in a, um, it's a branch of publicists. It was called uh, B-Cube at the time. It's part of the publicist group, one of the biggest you know, advertising groups in the world. Uh, and uh, at the time I was doing the Academy of Fine Arts in, um, in Milan. Suffice to say that I had a lot of spare time. So uh, it's not a, you know, one of the most difficult universities. It's, it's quite flexible. So when I, I had the opportunity to start working uh, on campaigns uh, as a storyboard artist for Mini Cooper, Coca-Cola, BMW Motorrad. Uh, so by the time I was around 20, 21 or almost 22, I've done four years of work uh, in that field uh, and my teams have won a bunch of car lions. So I was very, very lucky from the get-go to, to be able to participate in that world. At the same time, I don't know if you remember, but Italy um, around 2010 had a little bit of a, of a crisis after the crisis, you know, after the 2008 one. And uh, things were not going so well. Um, uh, at a certain point, it was clear that I was, I was getting um, a little bit um, uh, less gigs by the guys of publicists. I said, you know what, I put aside enough money. I'm gonna go and do what is really my passion. So I went to Vancouver in, the, in Canada at Vancouver Film School, studying classical animation. Uh, so I did the classical animation course and I ended up working a little bit in entertainment there for a company called Atomic that is one of the outsourcers of uh, Turner that owns Cartoon Network. And what I ended up doing during that period is that unfortunately by drawing a little bit too much, my tendons on the right hand snapped and uh, now I can do maybe two hours of drawing per day, not much more than that. And it was, you know, it was really a moment of crisis. I was like, what the hell do I do, you know? Uh, at the time I had a girlfriend that was here in London. And so she was, why don't you come to London and study something else to do your next step of the career? And uh, I had some, some money aside, not enough to be honest. And uh, <laughs> so I came to Goldsmiths uh, uh, here in London, which is quite, you know, well known for arts and critical media studies. 
and ended up doing a creative and cultural entrepreneurship course that was great uh, in terms of mindset. And at the same time, as I mentioned, because money was not flowing uh, too much, I needed to get myself a job and ended up working in a startup. It was called Learn to Read with Pip. It was an educational startup for, for, to teach um, children English through animation and storytelling. So it, it felt like a very nice, interesting moment. You know, I had the working with the startup and the startup community and they were very welcoming. You know, if you're a guy that comes from abroad, I, I, I came from Canada, from Italy, you know. If you're a guy that comes from abroad, they were quite welcoming as opposed to other, you know, work uh, uh, places. Um, and that's one side. And on the other, there was the studying that I was doing at, um, at Goldsmiths. So I, I just felt uh, after a while, after around nine months, I was leading a team of uh, uh, 12, sometimes even 15 designers. The job was finished. We created all the content for the platform. And uh, the course was finished, and I said, you know what, I think that I can serve startups uh, like this one with uh, storytelling, design, uh, and, uh, and animation specifically. So we started NucoBrain. I say we because I had a business partner at the time uh, that I met in Vancouver. He moved here, and for the first two years, uh, we mainly did work on uh, uh, explainer videos for startups. It was a thing that now everybody do, but when we started, nobody was doing it in London. You know, it was a very... Uh, typical thing to do in the valley, in Silicon Valley, but not here. So we brought that concept here, it worked really well, and some of those startups became scale-ups. So um, they, they started to become clients, uh, regular clients. Uh, at a certain point, uh, me and my partner decided to split ways. Uh, so after two years, uh, he, went, uh, he went his own way. And I started shaping NucoBrain in a way where the real question was, how can we help our clients beyond creating this explainer for them? And uh, because I've been working quite a lot in advertising, I do believe that branded content is really the way to go. So Nuco slowly transformed in what it is today. So Nuco today, NucoBrain is a, a corporate uh, um, content creation studio. So that's our job. And we pride ourselves into explaining complexity meaning that we take uh, some of the most complex subjects from finance uh, to educational subjects uh, uh, for clients that are mainly B2B and corporate, uh, and we help them explain them and make them engaging. We do that through video, but we're also constantly using more and more VR, virtual reality and AR, augmented reality now, and we do it with a campaign approach. It's very results-driven, so we work with KPIs um, and ROIs that are quite strict, and we always make sure that we can um, um, basically track them and that we can make a real difference for our clients but the thing that we like is that we take the best talents from the B2C campaigns and the big agencies and bring them to work with us uh, on these topics and uh, it's unbelievable what you get back because these clients this type of clients are fantastic they're just so grateful and uh, um, you know participating in the process I would say when you do a big B2C campaign when you're selling cereals or, or whatnot there is this expectation it needs to be great and quick and it's a fast-paced world where uh, if, if you're lucky, a you know, CMO takes their job for 18 months and then they move somewhere else and somewhere else, right? So the, the thing that we like here is that we develop long-term relationship. You know, it has been the 50 years that we're working with the beers in a row. We've been working with Deloitte for four years now. Uh, we just started our new contracts uh, um, with JP Morgan and we already have plans for 2020. Uh, European Space Agency is one of our good clients and uh, we keep working for them now. It's the third year. So it's a different environment where that relationship uh, pays back. You know, I would say that um, 
digital really made everything quicker, but sometimes not necessarily for the better when it comes to the relationship and the trust that, that, that is needed. Branded content marketing is predicted to be at the heart of every marketing strategy and there is growing evidence that there will be a significant shift in budgets to support it. However, there is still confusion as how to do it, who should do it and how it is measured. This podcast brings to you the knowledge, the skills and the secrets you need to take to take you to the absolute cutting edge of branded content. This podcast is in partnership with the BCMA. The BCMA is the global industry body for branded content practitioners, run by practitioners, promoting best practice, sharing knowledge and growing the branded content industry. To know more, go to the BCMA, go to www.thebcma.info. So um, amazing. So and then you got you got bought out as well. Your new company yeah. got bought out, and now and then you won a huge number of awards. So tell us about that. Oh uh, yeah, Th- thanks for 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 that question. So yeah, I forgot to mention in 2017, uh, um, after a number of conversations uh, that lasted, you know, maybe around a year, the um, the guys at Uni9 um, uh, acquired NucoBrain, acquired the majority shareholding of NucoBrain. It was great. It was a great, interesting journey, especially with the chairman of Unit 9, Piero Frescobaldi. And the, the interesting thing there was that, uh, um, you know, the, the strategic alliance really worked well, you know, in the sense that uh, Unit 9 is a production company of the year this year. For that age, they won plenty of awards. They keep winning alliance like there's no tomorrow. But what they do is that the great stuff that they create uh, is mainly for the B2C and big top brands. And what we take is the learning about all that they create and bring it to B2B and corporate clients. So as a strategic alliance is great because they de-risk the content that we then uh, can create. And it's quite funny because if you take a look at like VR is something that was hot in the space of big B2C campaigns maybe last year and instead it's just picking up now in the space of corporate communication. So we always try to, to, to you know, move that coolness uh, on the B2B space. And, uh, you know, we've been lucky ourselves um, to be focusing a little bit more on, on recognition. So as, uh, as Unit 9 was winning the best production of the year, we won best animation and graphic company of the year at the London Awards and a number of others. Like we, we always, so far in the last four years, won a Gold Indigo Award uh, and there is quite a lot of good uh, reception that we have from the Drum Recommends, the X um, recommended so, agency. So what, what, since you won so many awards, mm-hmm. you must have had by now some kind of a formula uh, for which you know works both in terms of uh, a good animation mm-hmm. or good content and as well as wins awards. So what's the formula for a good animation content? That, that's, that's a very good question. So uh, I think that there is a thing that I would like to say here is that um, when people think animation, they think cartoons, you know, and, uh, and that's something that we're trying to demystify as a myth. You know, if animation is everything that moves and the idea of motion, it means that animation is ubiquitous. You know, motion graphics are everywhere and the more content we're gonna create uh, um, and the, the, the more um, digital our life is, the more animation is gonna be everywhere. Um, but to answer your question, I think that the formula is two things. You would, some people win awards just by doing the biggest thing, you know, the most important, most impressive, biggest and stuff like that. To do that, you need to have a lot of resources. Um, and a lot of big agencies will invariably always win those awards. I think that if you first do the job, with a 
KPI, a key performance indicator and a result in mind for your client, that's more likely to win an award and an honest award, you know. Uh, so many times I think that awards are a little bit like self-serving. But instead, if you first think about what the objective of the job is, with that stuff, we end up winning the best stuff, you know, like with, with, the, with the best awards. So that, that I would say is if, you, if you're honest to what the content is supposed to be. So basically, I, uh, you know, tell me one or two, two or three case studies mm -hmm. where you really um, made a difference to the, uh, to the, to the client and uh, it really impacted what he was uh, attempting to do. Okay, so... Um, and how you did it. And, you know, if you had to tell a junior person mm -hmm. uh, or the world three or four key like ways... Tips. tips. Okay. Okay, um, let's start. So I would say that one of the best case studies that we ever did um, uh, and had the luck to work on was the job on Innovate UK. So Innovate UK is the technology strategy board of the English government. And when they started working with us, they only had, I think, 4,000 followers on their YouTube channel. By the time we did our first year-long campaign, maybe it was 16 months long, they ended up having around 57,000 people. Now, that doesn't look like a big number, but they were all very relevant entrepreneurs uh, on the B2B scale. So for them, it was not about the numbers. They wanted to engage with the entrepreneurs. They were a government association. They wanted to make sure that they talk with the right people. Having more than 50,000 entrepreneurs that respond to what you're doing was incredible. Um, the most important thing that we did with them was actually the result of, of the work um, in collaboration with the PR agency where thanks to our content production they ended up having 125 media placements for free so they didn't spend any PR money other than just creating good content and going around and say to the right outlets do you think that this is good for you and the answer was yes 125 times which is a staggering number for them and another good result uh, still with that client was that they ended up um, watching way more videos on their channel so i think that it went up eight times the average time that it was spent on uh, on on their channel so you know substantial amount of time um for a channel that at the beginning was just like basically followed by by their own creators uh, and, and it really became a, a guiding example that then one once innovate uk was englobated in a bigger government structure called ukri they always told us, "Is like, oh my God, you've done so well. How did you manage to move this fast with, uh, with that? And, you know, dealing with a government contract is not the quickest thing, and we managed to get something out of that. So that's the first one that comes to mind. Another one that I think is quite interesting is a work we did for EDF. Yeah, but uh, taking that, that, yeah. Uh, that project in mind, mm -hmm. that project came to you. And then how did you uh, decide that what was lacking in what they were doing currently and what did you bring to the what did you bring into the project when you saw the the kind of target that they had or the kind of aim that they that, had? that's a very good question what is it, it was lacking a couple of things it was lacking um a, an editorial calendar strategy you know the idea of um, that you have to create regular content and the more regular it is the more people will follow you you know they were just going just big bursts or campaigns two three times a year and that will um end up wasting a lot of their investment you know so that's the first thing the second was that they were not diversified enough in the audience so what we did is that we ended up creating four different um, formats 
for a segment of the audience they wanted to talk to. So one was for inspiring entrepreneurs, one was for um, people that came from more of a, a challenge background. So one year we did women in tech, um, in other ones we did people that, for example, were entrepreneurs despite disabilities. So it was very inspirational. And uh, another one was called Future Predictions, where we took uh, all their top level in reports uh, and interviewed their um, experts, uh, but turned that into amazing animation content. And that was like one of the most seen stuff. And the last one was the impact of their own investment. Uh, um, and so different audiences watch this stuff. And at, at the beginning, we're just broadcasting to everyone. And instead, we made it very, very specific, not only from a design point of view, but also from a content and writing point of view and media placement point of view. So I would say that that's the main thing. Try to, when people tell you our audience is this age bracket, you know, 25 to 35 that live here, that's not enough. You really need to break it down and try to understand who am I talking to and who's more important to talk to. Uh, out of this because people say always yeah but they are all important that's not true there is always the key target audience so doing what you would call maybe a persona approach or an avatar approach and and, and you know taking that best best practice from um, UX design I would say uh, and that's what really made the success of the innovative program. so basically what if I'm hearing you correct doing something uh, uh, coming out with, uh, with with content on a regular basis yeah. Uh, with the right target audience and well uh, designed for that target audience is probably the secret sauce. No, it's, it's key. I mean, and the regularity of it, it's key because every time, if you, it's like making a promise, right? You promise somebody you will be there every Thursday and then you don't show up. People are just not going to come, you know? So it's, it's that, that regularity is very, very important. All right. And so since this is from for the uh, I mean the BCMA's uh, podcast I mm -hmm. uh, you know let's talk a little bit about branded content where do you you've you've had a <coughs> huge um, you know history of branded content uh, of, of content uh, and mm -hmm. you know you've worked around the world from Italy to uh, to Canada to drawing to animation to films uh, and now uh, you know at Nuco Brain so where do you see how did you how do you see content has it changed in any way what are the trends that you have seen that's 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 a great and big question you know i would say like the the thing that i see with content is that um, you know um i i've been recently asked can you tell a story in 15 seconds you know and my answer is no i don't think that yeah, with the TikToks and all of the work. Yeah, you know, and, it, and somehow controversially, people are like, yes, of course. It's like, no, because stories never change. You know, stories are the way in which humans interact with each other. I'm going to tell you a story. I can even go as far as to say that stories are what makes us human, you know, uh, because we learn and, uh, and interact through stories. But what has changed is the media context in which those stories are told. So it used to be that you had one story equals one piece of content. You know, you go to the cinema, you sit and you watch a two hour film um, and you have all the attention on that film. Instead, I think that what people are doing wrong now is that they're trying to fit the story of that film in 15 seconds. That's just not possible. Instead, the story is shattered across the media landscape, but the story is only it's still one. It's just presented in different pieces uh, all over the media landscape. And you need to own that context. You need to own the fact that some people won't see pieces of it. Some people will see all of it. <clears throat> it's quite important to really think in that sense. 
so I, I believe that there is a fundamental mistake of old school storytellers that are amazing at doing maybe, you know, even uh, films of a couple of minutes or things like that. That are trying to shove that in in 20 seconds, 15 seconds. That's not how it works. And you can see it because even in Instagram stories, you know, you go and people publish 17 of them one after the other, you know. So the fact that the minimum unit is becoming smaller doesn't mean that the story itself is becoming smaller. And instead, that here we try and see people doing that. And um, I can speak a lot uh, as well about responsive content, but I think that that depends on the type of brand or the story that you're trying to create. And it's not always possible, for example, for heavily, uh, heavily regulated clients like we have, a bank cannot be responsive online within two hours. They need to check. There is the lawyers and stuff like that. So I think that there has been an exaggerated emphasis of, uh, oh, we need to reply, we need to reply. It's okay, you need to be responsive as long as you're consistent. If it takes you on average or two days, it will be fine, you know, to do that. Uh, it's, it's very bad when you have moments where after an hour you get a reply and then for two months you get silence. So I, I would say that it's just thinking about storytelling hasn't changed. You just have to think in the context of the media landscape. Um, and then there is the element of technology. So how, how do you, uh, to interrupt you, how, <coughs> how do you handle, like... Uh, while you say the story hasn't changed and the length of the stories need to be there, the fact is that uh, the TikToks of the world have arrived. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, YouTube uh, gives you five seconds to 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 start to to start your story, and if somebody doesn't click on that, you lose the audience. Yeah. You know, so how do you how do you respond to that? Well, the the thing that I think about this is like let's. Well, first of all, I don't know how healthy TikTok is, just to be very clear. Um, and, um, I mean, what you see there are small moments that communicate a mood. But that's not, that's not a story. And it's completely fine if you want to just communicate a mood to generate curiosity, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, the structure of storytelling... It's very specific and has been studied extensively, you know. I can suggest you a couple of books, but there's plenty of literature around that. And the thing is, that structure is not going to change. What we call, I think what happens is like if you have an audience that is so specific and so tiny, say your group of 100 friends or stuff like that, that you can do something in 15 seconds is because there is absolutely nothing to explain, but very few people will know that. So if you're trying to create content for a lot of people, that's that's where that structure of storytelling comes into place. So I think that there is a lot of uh, um, mixing of uh, the difference between awareness and actually telling something or explaining something. Coca-Cola just have to remind you that they exist. They don't have to tell you a story, you know, it's you know it. And instead, if you are doing a, a new brand of, uh, you know, modular mobile phones, uh, you have to take some time to explain that, that TikTok won't fly for them. And um, um, on the aspect that you mentioned of creating the first five seconds and being interesting for YouTube, I think that that's a great point because it, it actually cuts through the noise. Either you're interesting and relevant in the, in the first five seconds or you're not. So for me, the point is, again, the story is longer, you just have to keep their attention for for a little bit and I think that we need to think about that like we have to fight for every five seconds of attention by creating something interesting over and over again like creating a little roller coaster but then that should be the job of storytellers that should be the job of content creators not oh 
you know people haven't watched until three minutes and a half uh, it's uh, it, it's that's your problem you know it means that you're not doing something interesting enough that's absolutely great uh, you know it's so much to learn in storytelling i think storytelling is an is an art which is which is which has to be you know probably rediscovered uh, yeah. it used a... to be a buzzword for so long and i think that it was abused but at the end of the day as you say it needs to be rediscovered for what it is for the human aspect of it and then applied within the context of nowadays so you know we could go on and on but un we have unfortunately a, a barrier of time so tell me about uh, you know the future of uh, let's say storytelling branded content and nuco brain and where you see it going in the next couple of uh, years okay so um again thanks for the question i think that what we're trying to do with nuco is uh, let's start with storytelling yeah where let's do you think storytelling is going in the next couple of years i think that there are what's happening is like that there are a couple of different directions in which this is going on one side you have uh, bigger and bigger organizations that are taking care of their people so i think that there is definitely a space for storytelling in these uh, um, words of like you know the googles of the world the facebook of the words where they will need to tell their story more and more so for for branded content i think that we have to stop looking at necessarily outward product elements there are plenty of stories to be told inside companies for companies and not necessarily for products so there is one that is that space and the other one is more that there is um, you know two very splitting elements that regard technology one is where vr is bringing us so it's bringing us to stories that are not here and now you know they bring us to another place Another one is AR that is the complete opposite. You know, you have augmented reality that is like your ear and is information about what you have that is here in this moment. So I think that you don't have necessarily to, to make a choice as a, as, a, um, as a branded content creator, but at least to be aware of how different these two things are. And um, I mean, VR and AR are, you know, extreme examples, but everything in the middle can take one of these two things. So, you know, people either uh, enjoy things because of escapism or because it's very relevant to them, you know. And uh, I always say, if what you give to people is not entertainment or relevant for them, there's no reason to, to consume it. So uh, if you can do both, you won, you know. Um, sorry, if you can do entertainment and, um, escapism. and escapism at the same time, you, you really won. So in terms of how NucoBrain is doing this and where it's uh, and where it's going, uh, um, we we've been lucky enough to 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 have some interesting new contracts in the U.S. with uh, especially big American universities. So we're going to expand and open a new office in the U.S. in 2020. We're doing a fantastic uh, program with um, UCLA Anderson School Executive MBAs, the six best MBA in the world, where they're helping us shaping the strategy to go to the U.S., which is really really amazing insights they're doing more than 150 interviews uh, to, to potential clients to find out what we need to do there so that goes a long way the importance of planning you know like that, that showed us how many assumptions were right and how many were wrong um, we're expanding still in Europe so we have now a satellite office in Poland but we're gonna start doing business that from Poland and uh, you know in the UK these are uncertain times but I think that people will still need uh, storytellers and, and to explain complexity now more than ever because these are complex times um, so it, it's fantastic to have a team you know when we started we're just two people now we are 35 in London uh, uh, five in Poland uh, and a couple in the US and we think that we will be soon 
60 plus in um, let's say by the end of next year which is you know I, I think a right size you can still remember everybody's name and birthday <laughs> <laughs> so and where does branded content go from here where does branded content go i i think that what the main thing is that brands have to realize that they're the new publishers you know they are in fact the new publishers they just don't know it yet and i think that that's something that we keep hearing um, in in a subconscious way, they're like, oh, we need to do better content, we need to create... And the, the truth is, publishers are dying, unfortunately, you know, all over the world because they are lacking the revenue, you know, people don't read much and, and whatnot. But brands have to take that mantle and baton on because people are not just consuming advertising and promotions like they used to. You have to create content that is relevant for them and that adds a value of either entertainment or information. It just so happens that is, you know, produced by a brand or sponsored by a brand. So I think that the sooner brands realize and embrace this idea that they're publishers and they can learn from publishers, you know, they can learn that regularity from publishers, they can learn how to engage with people from publishers, then they will be much more successful than they are at the moment. I think that now there is still this... Um, behavior that is a little bit 1950s that you can just broadcast stuff and people will listen you know so to catch their attention you need to be relevant just like publishers are so i would strongly recommend they go and take a look at what the best publishers are doing and how to behave like them brilliant and uh, nuco brain uh, like you said is expanding around the world and uh, you know you expect to be uh, 60 or more people yeah uh, that that's your that's yeah. that, that's the goal for 2020 uh we're quite quite happy about that <laughs> okay thank you stefano it was brilliant talking to you it was uh, and learning about all the interesting things that you do so good to have you on the show thank you very much for inviting me stay connected with the podcast on itunes give us a five-star rating reach out to us at atharvamarcom at gmail.com or follow us at the bcma.info. See you next time. May the force of branded content continue to change your world.